several visitors here, and we really appreciate that. If you have any questions, again, let us know. This morning, I, need, I feel like I need to introduce my title by showing something that we see from time to time. So have you ever got one of those little sheets in, maybe it was in elementary school or something like that, where it's got little word puzzles on it? And you got to figure out, like, what does this mean, right? So this is one of the very common ones. It's the word mind over the word matter, right? And we know that one, if we got to fill out the blank, it's mind over matter. Well, my title slide is, A Faith Can Be. And if we got a little word puzzle here, A Little Faith Can Be, dot, dot, dot. We're going to talk about a little faith this morning. Oftentimes when we think of a little faith, we think only in negative terms. We think, oh ye of little faith. I'm not going to focus on that side of things this morning. We just saw the disciples ask Jesus in Luke chapter 17 and verse 5. When they heard, man, we have to forgive our brother." Increase our faith. They understood that at that point they needed a little more faith. I want you to notice that something that Jesus says to them in verse 6. He doesn't say that they need to increase their faith. I want you to notice verse 6. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey. See, I want to start this morning by saying something about our faith in God. Our little faith in God can be very powerful. To the point that he tells these disciples, if you had this tiny little seed of faith, you could say, be uprooted, and it would be cast into the sea. Now we look at that and we think, man, that's kind of ridiculous, right? I want you to think about if you've ever done any gardening or any kind of landscaping work. How difficult it is to take even the tiniest bush out of the ground with all its roots. And he says, you could say to that tree, to that bush, get out, you and your roots, and go into the sea. Tiny little word. But he says it doesn't take great faith. Just a little. A little mustard seed. Or you might remember how he says in Matthew chapter 17. Look there in Matthew chapter 17. In a very similar statement. He ups the ante a little bit. Like not only could you toss a little bush, a tree, into the sea. But if you said it here in verse 20 of Matthew 17. When they couldn't figure out why they couldn't cast out a demon. Jesus says it's because... Of your little faith. For I tell you, if you had faith like a grain of mustard, you will say to this mountain, move here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. If you just had a little bit, that mountain could go wherever you sent. And his point is, to the apostles, Nothing will be impossible. I want you to think about that kind of power from something so little. 
Isn't that the way God works? You think about the creation of the world and all of the power that came with that came with let there be light. That is very little. Separate the clouds from the water, the firmament from the water. And there it was. It doesn't take much for God to demonstrate His power. And it doesn't take much for us to understand His power when we put just a little faith in Him. I want you to think about Peter in Luke, the fifth chapter. I want you to think about one of the first stories that we have of Peter, a man that we would say who ended up having great faith and had great faith a lot of the time. But you remember that story when they were out fishing all night and they hadn't caught anything? And Jesus comes up to him and says, Hey, go out there and cast your nets into the sea. And Peter says to Jesus down in verse 5, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. I picture Peter saying that you don't know what you're talking about, but if you say so. Like, if you tell me this is what I need to do, that is what I'm going to do. If you say so. And guess what Peter realized and what happened? Verse 6. When they had done this, when they had done as he said, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Do you understand the power there? If you say so, I'll do it. That doesn't mean that we've got to fully gung-ho, like be behind it 110%. It means, God, you said it. God, I'll do it. And God says, let me show you what I will do. That's just a little thing. And He uses that within us. As well, I want you to go to Ephesians, the third chapter. In Ephesians, the third chapter, we might say there from, from Luke 5, if you say so. Well, Ephesians 3 says, if you pray so. If you ask, look what God can do. And this is in the middle of Paul telling us about a prayer that he prays for the Ephesians. That they be filled with all knowledge and wisdom and all this surpassing Knowledge and understanding of the riches that are in Christ. And in that context, this is what he says down in verse 20. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. Did you catch what he said there? You might ask for something. You might think something. And it might be a little bit. But look what God can do in you. The power that works in us. Ever find yourself praying something like that? Like you think it's kind of a little thing that you're asking for. But you're asking God anyway. And then it turns into something much bigger when it actually comes into reality. 
Like, man, I just asked to be a little piece of this pie, and now I am a huge, important piece. That was beyond what we could ask or think. Lord, I just want you to do this for my family. And the next thing you know, you see how that affects so many other things and so many other people around. And we didn't even know what that little thing that we asked God for could turn into. That's faith like a mustard is that it's just that little bit of our trust in God and He's able to work wonders in that. But how too often we are like those apostles where we don't even have that little faith. Where we don't say, you said to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't trust that what you say is what's best for me is what we're saying. And I don't trust you enough to even bring it to your attention in prayer. Because I'm not even sure that you can do it. Just a little bit. And go a long way. Now I want to turn, I want to pivot here. The rest of this lesson is pretty much going to be about a little faith in other people. Because I want to talk about that. We often talk about having faith in God and a little faith in God, and we can see clearly that a little faith in God is very powerful. I would suggest to you the little faith in people is also very powerful. But i got four things in particular that I want to draw to your attention. I want you to go to the Acts of 13 chapter. In Acts of 13 chapter, we have Paul and we have Barnabas being selected from the church in Antioch by the Holy Spirit to be sent out to go preach the gospel. And so they are sent out from that area. And you see that down in verse 4, they get to the island of Cyprus. And in verse 5, they had somebody with them. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this first quality that I think we see when you have a little faith in someone. I'm going to suggest that a little faith in someone can be very enlightening. I want you to think about what we mean by enlightening. It's where your eyes are open. I want you to see what happens here. Look at verse 5 there. As they're on this mission, they arrived at Salamis, and they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And here it is. They had John to assist them. We would learn that John's other name is Mark. Most of us, we are familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This would be Mark. They had him to assist. They're sent out to preach. He's there to assist. Now, we don't know much about Mark. We know from Mark chapter 14, around verse 51 and 52, when they were in the garden, that there was a young man that when they came to get Jesus, they came to seize Jesus, got scared and ran away naked. Most people believe that that was Mark. And it says specifically that he was a young man. It would seem to be that it's not that far ahead in the future that he's still assisting. He's still following around with these apostles, with these religious people. We know that a church met in his mother's house uh, in Acts the 12th chapter. We learn all these different things. He's from a very religious family, and he's there helping. He's there assisting. And what that entails, we don't exactly know. But what I would suggest to you is that he's got some desire to teach and preach. He's been following Jesus all this time. He's willing to go, leave his home, 
to go help Paul and Barnabas preach the gospel. We would say that's somebody that's got a desire to teach and preach. I think that's a good desire to have. Absolutely it's a good desire to have. But here's what happens. I had a desire to preach and teach one time. You know, I had a desire to preach and teach. Someone came up to me and they said, Wes, I think you could do this. And I was like, you think I can do what? I think you can teach a Bible class. And I was like, I don't think so, man. That's 13 weeks. I don't think I can teach a Bible class. And so I said, not right now. But I'll tell you what, it opened my eyes to a world that I didn't know about. It got me thinking about me doing that. Because someone else looked at me and said, you know what, Wes, I think you can do it. I wonder if that was Paul and Barnabas here, our old son of encouragement. John Mark's been following around. Like, John, come help us. We want you to help us. Still a young guy, come help us. We know that they're going to pick Timothy. Paul's going to pick Timothy later on. But whatever the case, we know that he's got a desire. But here's why I say it's in light. I want you to go down. They, things happen on this island, and we'll come back and talk about that in the island of Paphos. But I want you to notice down in verse 13. Now Paul and his companions, they set sail from Paphos, and they came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. He was there, and then he was gone. If you look in chapter 15 and verse 38, we get an explanation about what he did. That when Barnabas wants to take him again, Paul does not, because look at the phrase at the end of the verse, of verse 38, did not want to take the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. You see, he didn't finish what he started. And I think him going and assisting was enlightening in a lot of ways. He wanted to teach, but he learned how difficult it was to go out and teach and preach the gospel. You say, Wes, what are you talking about? Go back now to chapter 13 and notice the story that happens. In Acts 13, what he sees in verse 8 is that there is a guy that wants to hear the word of God. And there is another guy, Bar-Jesus, who is a magician, who does not want that guy to hear the gospel. And he goes through every measure possible to keep him from getting the gospel. And Peter has to deal with it. Peter strikes the magician blind. And I want you to notice what he says to him. What he says to him. Look now in verse 9. As being filled with the Spirit. He says, verse 10, You son of the devil. Remember his name was Bar-Jesus? Remember what Bar means in Hebrew? It means son of? He's saying, you're not son of Jesus. You're not son of God. You are a son of the devil. You are a son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? I wonder if John Mark thought it was going to be pretty easy going out and telling people about the gospel. And in walks Bar Jesus. And he understands, man, this is hard. And so, verse 13, he returned to Jerusalem. 
I don't know that. I can see that happening, and Michael can probably vouch for this. Those of you who have also preached and taught can vouch for this. You go in, you're all excited, you're gung-ho, you're helping, and you realize, man, this teaching and preaching is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And some people, they just don't have it in them to get through it. Other people, they're like, you know what, it's going to take more, but I got it. I'm going to dig a little deeper. And sometimes we just realize, man, I'm not, I'm not ready. Like, I really want to do this. I'm just not ready right now. We call that trial by fire. He's like, you got to get out there. you got to get to the work. And you may realize you're not ready. But if I ain't got no desire, I'm not even going in the first place. And it opened his eyes. Then we're going to see that he is very useful later. But I want to suggest something else. Remember how this whole thing of him leaving caused a problem? I think that a little faith in someone can also be very empowering. It can give them power. What do you think about what happens here in chapter 15? When Paul and Barnabas, they want to go and they want to strengthen the Christians that they made on the trip that John left them. And you remember who Barnabas wanted to take? He wanted to take John. But as we already read in verse 38, Paul thought it messed not to. Notice that. Paul thought it best not to. I want you to put yourself in Mark's shoes for a second. We know that he goes with Barnabas, so that's a foregone conclusion. What do you think is going through his head when he hears that Paul and Barnabas are going on another journey? Do you think he's saying, take me, I'm ready. Guys, I am ready. I want to do this, I got it. Well, it seems as though I don't know what is happening. But Barnabas is saying we need to take him. There are other people in the Bible that were ready to go that weren't ready. Remember Isaiah? To whom shall we send? Here am I, send me. And the Lord says, hold on, I've got to purify you first. I've got to set you up first. I wonder sometimes if John Mark had that, kind of that too much desire a little bit. But then you know what happens sometimes when someone puts faith in you and you let them down? You mope. Think, man, I let them down. Man, I'm never going to be able to do this. Not John Mark. Because John Mark goes with him and they strengthen the brethren as the story goes. I'm ready. Take me. And so Barnabas took him. I want you to think about that again. You know that an apostle did not want to take you. How does that make you feel? But old Barnabas, son of encouragement, says, come on, John Mark, let's go. Can you picture John Mark saying, man, one person believed me. Nobody else thought I could do this job. Nobody else thought I was fit for this, but he did. And when you know that one person believes in you and they gave you a chance that nobody else would, maybe it's in your work, maybe it's in your spiritual life, whatever the case it is, what do you think? I won't let you down. Think about somebody that put a little bit of faith in you maybe when nobody else did. It might have even been a teacher at school. You might have been one of those kids 
that didn't have a good home. You didn't have good grades. But there was one teacher that said, you know what? You can do this. I believe in you. You can do this. And for whatever reason, we buy into it. That we can, even when nobody else thinks we can. And it doesn't take a lot. It just takes one person. That's from the receiving side of things. Is that if someone comes to you and they say, man, you can do this, we may find out it's too hard. We may find out it's easier than we thought it was going to be. But it may just open our eyes to think about it. You know what? You do have the ability. Or it may give us what we need in order to do it. It gives us the strength, the power to do it. Now, what about when you're the one putting faith in someone else? I think you can be very discouraging. If you were like Paul, and you put faith in John Mark to go with you to assist, and then you quit. He didn't think it was best. Notice he didn't think it was wrong. It doesn't say he thought it would be wrong for them. He didn't think it was best. He's thinking about the situation that they are going to go into, and guess what he knows is going to happen in all these places? More persecution. And guess what they also know about this guy? Where was he on the first trip? Oh, where were were you? Well, I went back to Jerusalem because it's not best. It wasn't best for him. And I think that can be discouraging. When you have somebody that you counted on and that you needed and they quit on you. And that's where Paul's coming from. He's like, we needed you, John Mark. And you quit on us. Like, sorry. I can't take that risk again. Like, this work is too serious to not take it seriously. You understand? And so maybe you might find yourself in this case. Maybe someone has put some faith in you. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's here at church. So I'm going to say it's here at church. Someone has put faith in you to teach a Bible class. Maybe you're just filling in for them. And you didn't put any preparation in. Or maybe it's your quarter to teach. And you realize, man, this is harder than I thought. And so you just start showing up a little later because that's less time you got to teach. Or you don't even show up at all and tell anyone that you're not going to show up. Or you do like I did last week. You didn't follow through and make sure that the teacher knew that they were supposed to teach. You quit on somebody. Because you didn't take it seriously. You know what that does? To the teacher that I forgot to tell, that discouraged the teacher. The kids suffered because they didn't have a teacher for that class. That's terrible. And John Mark felt that. And Paul felt that. He said, you know what, we can't take that risk anymore. I can't have that risk. And so someone puts you in an opportunity to teach. And things go poorly. Guess what? It may be 
not best to get back in that situation because of the seriousness of the role, the position. But one of the things that we learn from John Mark and from this whole thing of when you put a little faith in somebody, even when they let you down, because Paul, I believe, was discouraged. Paul, I believe, was... I'm not even sure discouraged is the right word. I've struggled with the word to use there. Because it didn't keep him from going about doing the gospel. It didn't really even make him lose faith in him. This heart, I don't even know what the word is. But there's some word for it. But when Paul writes his final letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and here's where we conclude this morning. When Paul writes that letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he says things like, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And Titus, I've sent to Dalmatia. And Cretans has gone to Galatia. And all i got is Luke. Luke alone is with me. And he says to Timothy, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me. For ministry. You see, even when we put a little faith in someone, that faith can be restored. It may take years for that faith to be restored. But it was at the point, at the end of his life, when there was nobody else, he said, I want him. How do you think that made John Mark feel? We don't know what the relationship was between Acts 15 and 2 Timothy 4. We don't know how many more interactions they have with one another. We don't know that. But I want you just to think about someone that you knew a few years ago didn't believe. And it was rightfully so. And now you turn things around and they recognize it. How strong is that relationship? How much do you want to prove to them more and more, man, I am here for you, you can't count on me? It's very personal. Because somebody put a little faith in me. Now we might say there's a fine line between a little faith and a great faith. Yeah, there is. Sometimes it's hard for me to tell the difference. Because such a little faith can do such great things. But when we put our faith in God, just a little bit can be so powerful. It can do so much for Him, for the kingdom, for our family, and for us. And when we put faith, or I should say when people put faith in us, man, it can really open our eyes. It can really give us what we need to actually go through with the work. And then sometimes when we put our faith in people, it sometimes it discourages us. Sometimes it lets us down because oftentimes we don't expect We're human. We are not ready for it. But don't give up on it. That's that Luke 17 passage. How many times? Up to 70? Times 7? No. As often as they sin against you. You take them back and I tell you what, that's when I need my faith increase, is when somebody keeps letting me down. 
boy, we can get back to it. We can restore that with just a little faith. Let's do these things. Let's have a little faith in God and in each other. This morning, if you're ready to make a huge step in your life, you're ready to become a Christian. You're ready to submit your life to Christ and serve Him for the rest of your days. Why don't you do it? Or if you need the prayers of the congregation here in any way, why don't you come now? We stand and as we sing.